Welcome. From All Good Tales, it's Media Moments, a show about those strange, unique, weird and often bizarre times when the world changed forever in an instant. I'm Jack Murray. This week, something special. I hope you like it. Set in 1970s Hollywood, it's a story that communicates with crystal clarity the power of anger. Here's a media moment that changed the world forever. Every once in a while, a moment occurs that perfectly captures the zeitgeist. It's like a glove for the political, economic and social mood of the time. But here's something you don't see every day. It's when one of those particular moments promises even more and becomes a prophecy that not only fits its time and place, but can also see into the future. This is a story about actor Peter Finch, and it's about one of those very rare moments. It was the 19th of January 1976 at the CFTO TV studios in Toronto, Canada. The star-studded cast and crew of a new movie about television news called Network were assembled for one of the first days of shooting. They included Faye Dunaway, Robert Duval, Ned Beatty, all working under acclaimed director Sidney Lumet and Academy Award-winning writer Paddy Chayefsky. Network was a film that no one in US television wanted to see made. So much so, they had to leave and come to this studio in Toronto. Right at this moment, the USA was in a state of crisis, recovering from the Vietnam War, the Nixon years and the first oil crisis. Crime levels were at record highs and the streets didn't seem safe because they weren't safe. And now, the distinguished television news commentator, Mr. Howard Beale. Network tells the story of an unhinged TV news anchor called Howard Beale. Peter Finch explained the background to his character. And suddenly, at the beginning of the picture, his ratings are falling. The dread ratings are falling. And so he's going to get fired. It doesn't matter how famous, how marvellous, how wonderful you are. If the ratings start to fall and the network so decides, you will go. And this is a dreadful blow to a man of some 50 summers. And at the same time, he's recently lost his wife. He's drinking too much. And at the beginning of the film, he announces on the air, in a news program, that he's going to shoot himself on the following Tuesday on the television. On this day, they were getting ready for a pivotal scene in the movie. Finch didn't know it then, but this scene wasn't just important to the movie. He was about to record one of the most iconic scenes in the history of cinema. The main camera locked onto his face. He wore a haunted expression. Sitting in a TV news studio, he was dressed in a cream trench coat over a pair of striped pyjamas and soaked to the bone. Dishevelled and stressed, his character had just stepped in from the rain, his wild grey curls like silver springs leaping off his skull. The clapper loader leaned in and got things underway. Director Sidney Lumet shouted action. Action. In that moment, we can only speculate what was going through 60-year-old Peter Finch's mind. For so many reasons, he shouldn't have been there. Paul Newman and Gene Hackman had turned down the role. But not Finch. He wanted it more than anything. A few years earlier, he'd given up on Hollywood because Hollywood had given up on him. He moved to Jamaica and started a new life with his wife, Alita. She was a black Jamaican woman, 27 years his junior, and no one approved of their relationship. 
but they were in love, and that was all that mattered to Finch. Why had Finch wanted this role so much? There was something about the burning anger of Howard Beale that appealed to him. He knew what it was like to feel snubbed, left behind, put on the scrap heap. He could see this role might give him a way back, a way back to the centre of Hollywood, at an age when most actors are forgotten, or at best being phased out. He returned to the moment, and his gaze gripped the camera. He began to speak. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And there our story rests. The rage-filled words of Howard Beale captivated an adult world. Why did it mean so much to people? Well, because they were mad. Very mad. As mad as hell, in fact. And Howard Beale brought their feelings to life in a way no one else had managed. There we leave it until almost a year later, on the morning of the 14th of January, 1977. And despite having a late night, Peter Finch woke with a wind in his sails. It was a beautiful, clear LA winter morning and bright sunshine beamed into the living room of his new home in Beverly Hills. He had moved there with his wife Alita just two weeks earlier on New Year's Eve. Everything was moving in the right direction. He was in full throttle into the publicity campaign for Network, just a few days earlier, he'd been shortlisted for a Golden Globe. On this morning, it was as if he could see an Oscar on the horizon. It was so close, he could smell it. Every evening, he dared to dream. He would stare into the mirror in his bathroom, catch himself in a gaze, and begin to practice the acceptance speech. You've got to be prepared, right? You've got to be prepared, Peter. When the moment comes, you've got to seize it. The night before, he'd been on the Johnny Carson show for the first time in almost 10 years. From Hollywood, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. This is Ed McMahon, along with Doc Severinsen and the NBC Orchestra. 
Big Johnny and his dad. He still had to pinch himself when he thought of how successful Network had become. He'd been so right to fight to get the part. Referring to the mad as hell moment, Johnny Carson captured the mood when he said, There are certain lines from motion pictures that you'll always remember. That's the one. Finch returned to the green room, exhilarated, and settled into a drink. He was followed on the show by cult comedian George Carlin. Carlin fixed the mic, looked out into the middle distance, and said, Yes, you are. You're all going to die. Didn't mean to remind you of it, but it is on your schedule. (laughs) Once the nervous laughter had subsided, he delivered a routine entirely on death. As Carlin ripped into the material, Finch became transfixed. Yes, probably won't happen when you want. Usually comes along when you're not expecting. Generally, you have your stamp collection out, you know. Now? No. Just want a little time to put away your hinges, you know. No. There's a time to die, and it's okay, you know. It's really okay. Nobody wants to die. Nobody. Well, you know, (laughs) most people. Carlin's final sentiment was advice on how to leave this world. I say die big. Give it a shot, man. Go out big. It's your chance. Die big. Work in a few posthumous reflexes for your friends. (laughs) Give them a show before you go. Finch was so gripped by it, he chatted with his publicist on the way home about how death could be hilarious. He had a busy day ahead. He got dressed and set out to walk the one and a half miles of hilly roads to the Beverly Hills Hotel. He so loved to walk, it gave him time to think. And in a town where the car is king, it was part of his special eccentricity. He was meeting network director Sidney Lumet for a battery of appearances on the morning chat shows. He arrived just moments before the arranged time and settled into a comfortable banquette in the lobby. Sidney Lumet left his room for the short walk to meet Finch. When he got to the top of the stairs, he scanned the lobby and saw him relaxing below. As he began walking down the stairs, Finch bent forward and then suddenly keeled over and fell off the sofa. It happened in an instant, yet felt like a slow-motion freeze frame right before Lumet's eyes. How could this be happening? Lumet began to run. When he reached Finch, he snapped into autopilot and immediately began to give him mouth-to-mouth, pumping and blowing, pumping and blowing. He cried out, Somebody, somebody, please get an ambulance! And then he kept going until he heard a faint siren and then got a touch on the shoulder. We'll take it from here, sir. You've done all you can. Lumet slumped to the ground as the paramedics from UCLA took over. Sir, can you hear me at all? Just two months later, on the 28th of March, Hollywood's brightest stars turned out for the biggest night in movies. The 49th Annual Academy Awards, live from the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion of the Music Center in Los Angeles, California. Bidding you welcome, Anne Margaret. This was the night that Peter Finch had hoped for, had prepared for, had dreamed for. At some point in the night, Norwegian actress Liv Ullman took to the stage to present the Oscar for Best Actor. She began to speak. One measure of an actor may be said to be his willingness not to conceal himself, but to show himself in all his humanity, 
and to expose both the light and the darkest sides of his nature, openly and truly. The nominees for a performance by an actor in a leading role are Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver, Peter Finch in Network, Giancarlo Cinanini in Seven Beauties, William Holden in Network, Sylvester Stallone in Rocky. And the winner is Peter Finch in Network. One measure of an actor is said to be his willingness not to conceal himself, but to show himself in all his humanity, is what she said. He'd done it. He'd won. He'd achieved the accolade he'd always craved. He'd won the Oscar. He was the best of the best. Screw them all. Those who thought he was washed up. Those who thought he wasn't able. Those who criticised him and Alita. Those who doubted his talent. But on this night of nights, Peter Finch wasn't here. He'd passed away that day in the Beverly Hills Hotel. So close to this night, but so far away. The first posthumous winner of an Oscar. His friend, network writer Paddy Chayefsky, was asked by the Academy to accept the award. There were to be no sentimental family moments on this night of nights. He took to the stage. For some obscure reason, I'm up here accepting an award for Peter Finch, or Finchy, as everybody who knew him called him. There is no reason for me to be here. There's only one person who should be up here accepting this award, and that's the person who Finch wanted up here accepting his award, Mrs. Peter Finch. Are you in the house, Alita? Come up and get your award. She elegantly walked towards the stage with a fur coat draped over her shoulders. I want to say thanks to the members of the Academy and my husband. I wish he was here tonight to be with us all. But since he isn't here, I'll always cherish this for him. And before he died, he said to me, darling, if I win, I want to say thanks to my fellow actors who have given me encouragement over the years. And thanks to Paddy Shaevsky, who have given him the part. And thanks to Barry, who have tell us to come from Jamaica, to come and do this part. And he says, most of all, thanks to you, darling, for sending the right vibes the right way. And thanks to members of the Academy Award. Thank you all. Every once in a while, a moment occurs that perfectly captures the zeitgeist. It's like a glove for the political, economic and social mood of the time. When Peter Finch's character, Howard Beale, exalted, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! He struck more than a chord. He tapped right into the nervous system of anyone ever motivated by anger. And when he passed away before achieving his aim of winning an Oscar, it was as if his actions, his acting and his memory became immortal. That's what you call a very impressive posthumous reflex. Media Moments is brought to you by All Good Tales. There's only one way to resonate, and that's with the story. 
If you need to connect with your audience, we can help you. We help people tell great stories through podcasts, brand newsrooms, PR, presentations and strategy. Find us on at All Good Tales on Twitter or email story at allgoodtales.com. Media Moments can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Pocket Casts or anywhere you get your podcasts. This episode was written by me, Jack Murray. Research was by Anna Henderson. And sound supervision was by Al Dunn at Unique Media. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with some more Media Moments. Have a good one. Thank you.